Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, I've got a returning guest, Tyler Gunter, on the episode. He was on episode 35, just talking about you know, his background and who he is. So we're not going to spend a lot of time today going backwards, but, uh, you know, Tyler, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me back, Mike. I always appreciate any time. We've been friends for a long time. So anytime to sit with you and hang out and, and talk is always great. So, yeah, I've thought about it so many times. And I, I think almost any time that Tyler and I are really having a conversation, whether we're driving somewhere or we're sitting in an office and, you know, it's funny because sometimes I'll be like, Hey Tyler, you got five minutes. And Tyler jokingly says it's never five minutes with Mike because we always get into like a yeah, I have to check and see if I've got a couple hours free up or not. <laughs> <laughs> we always just have the most amazing conversations. And so I, I think today will be one of those. And so let's just go back. Let's recap for those that didn't have the or didn't listen to the original episode. Um, let's just kind of go back to when we met a little bit about you and, and then we'll come to today. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when we met, we had both decided to run for our local chamber of commerce because that's what you did mm -hmm. as, as business leaders in the community. And uh, we both just happened to join at the same time. I was in the process of turning around a family-run radio station that had gone through a bad sale experience. And uh, you were right in the middle of, of your own um, kind of big turnaround inside of one of your companies in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, this was the 07, 08 period of time, so yeah. a lot of people struggling. And uh, so we just got together and started sharing interests and insights, and um, both of us were kind of heading in a, a similar direction. And so that's where we, we kind of started just jiving, I think, really, yeah. and started our, our wives, our, yeah. our great friends, they got along really well. So yeah, that always helps. Yeah, yeah. And uh, over time, we, we decided to work together. And so I came over and, and started working with, alongside you. And um, we kind of took that company and, and finished the, the transition for it and got it to a point where it was sellable. And you, yeah. uh, you were able to sell your way out of that one and, yeah. and move on for new things. And uh, I think I stuck around for a few months. And then um, left and went and started a couple of companies myself, my wife and I, and, yep. um, so got to the point where I was able to sell my way out of those ones too, and, and hit retirement button. And, yeah. um, you were, you were one of my close friends that had hit that retirement button before too. And so I, yeah. um, got to where we got to chatting with you too. And, and that's kind of a, that's a challenging, yeah. that's a challenging space. Yep. So, um, we've, we had a lot of great conversations around that and, what it what it really means to retire and what we were working towards yeah in that sense so you know it's so true and and if you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time or followed me on instagram i often say that you know when i sold that business that tyler's talking about in 2014 i often say that was the best and worst day of my life because you know i'm 34 years old and i've achieved the american dream you know i've basically hit retirement and you know we all were working towards something that this is why it's so important to figure out what you really want out of life and constantly course correct too, because, um, you know, at that age, 34 years old, and we can talk about how old you were, but, um, it's not all that it's cut out to be. We've got to have a purpose and that's part of what we're going to get into today. Um, and also I want to just say this and fast forward. So stick with us because I want to talk about that, the retirement piece, um, you know, just some of the things that you've accomplished in life and get into purpose, you know, having Absolutely. a purpose driven life. But also later we're going to talk about, um, so Tyler is the CEO 
in one of our companies, Park Place Communities. Um, he's responsible for overseeing the team that leads uh, 35 communities across the nation. Right. Um, just a great, interesting time in the mobile home park space right now. Um, want to make sure we get into that because I've had a lot of questions lately. Um, you know, I don't spend a lot of time talking about really, you know, what our core businesses are and all that. It's more mindset and money and just trying to, you know, add value to get people, you know, just thinking different, which we're going to get into some of that. But also we're going to talk about the state of manufactured housing and, and our portfolio specifically and just where we see things going. Yeah, right. So should be a good conversation. Absolutely. Cool. Well, let's go back to, okay, so I got bought out of my company. You were there for a few months. Um, just give me the, you know, the five minute overview. Um, you've got multiple companies. Uh, what, what'd you go on to build? Yeah. So we went on to build from the ground up a, uh, a property management maintenance, um, style company. And we, we built that up for about, say about two and a half years, built it to turnkey and was able to sell that to a, a, a gentleman, uh, to continue operating. Um, six months after we launched that, we bought a, an insurance company that we still own and operate to this mm -hmm. date. Um, a lot of fun in that it was not a, not a, not a turnaround situation, but it was a sleepy. Mm -hmm. um, I like that term. It was a sleepy agency. Like it was owned by a, a gentleman who'd owned it for a long time. And so it was due for a facelift and some, some new things. So that's been a lot of fun and mm. um, comes down to just great teams. Yeah. Right. And so we bought a great team. We were able to do a lot of the, the branding facelift and everything that needed there, but then we just invested into the team mm -hmm. and let them kind of do what they do best. Um, so that's the, that's the huge overview, right? That's how got to the point where, where I was able to, to walk away and retire too, as you say, right? Mm -hmm. Best worst day of, of yeah. your life, truly. Um, great teams and building processes. You also own a uh, manufactured home. I community. do. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I don't know why I, I even spaced <laughs> that. That's the first investment my wife, yeah. uh, Tamara and I ever invested in was mm -hmm. a mobile manufactured housing community. And we still own and operate that as well, uh, to this day too. And so it was a turnaround project. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. 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 And that was really fun to watch. Um, so, you know, I, I wanted, I wanted to make sure that we talk about that a little bit because, um, so, so you hit retirement. Let's go into that a little bit. Cause sure. like I say, you know, it was the best and worst day of my life. What, what did that look like for you? What does that mean? Uh, retirement for me, I thought was going to be, you know, endless traveling with my family and playing golf every day and, and relaxing. I was flying at the time I'm a private pilot. So mm -hmm. I was flying a lot at the time, but what it became was, uh, a lot of, a lot of my friends, still had day jobs that yep. they had to go to, or they were building businesses that took yep. a lot of their time. Um, my kids are going to school, right? Yeah. They were young at the time. They're, well, I mean, they're still young. They're nine, I got nine year old twins and a, and a four year old daughter as well. Um, but they were, they were just embarking on their school adventure. So right. that's every day, five right. days a week. Um, I could play golf by myself, but where I lived was <laughs> yeah. two months of golf and, and I wasn't that enthusiastic mm -hmm. about it. I flew a lot, but what I ended up doing is sitting around and, in my pajamas watching Netflix yeah. for a while. I just, I, I lost the drive to get up. I didn't have anything to get up to do. Yeah. So, yeah. And th there's actually a book that my father-in-law bought me years ago, um, by Ren, uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin called thou shalt prosper. And, and he talks in there. So it's written, obviously he's a Jewish rabbi. I'm not Jewish. doesn't matter. I, there's just a ton of wisdom in this book, but he talks in there about how like, we're really not, de we're not designed to retire because mm -hmm. when we retire, that's the day when we start that when we stop contributing to society. Right. And there was so much like, there was such an epiphany in that statement that he made to me. I mean, literally we're designed to bring contribution to the world until we can no longer contribute. Right. And the minute that we're no longer contributing, we become a burden on our community. You begin right? to regress, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's such an interesting perspective because 
I think, uh, and I don't, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole per se, but the, the lifestyle that we've been sold, like go to school, go to college, get a degree, get a good job, work till you're 75 and then retire. In your golden years. years. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I, I think we've, I think we've been sold this idea that like we're supposed to work our whole lives and, and get to retirement, which is like this, this goal that everybody has set. And the reality is, and this is what I love about you. And, and I just want to touch on this. I would much rather build a life worth living that I'm excited about every single day than like work my ass off till I'm 65 and then have like the next 10 or 15 years to go enjoy myself. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Waking up every morning. I mean, we've, we've both got friends and family in, in industries that demand like 3am wake up calls mm-hmm. and, you know, 12, 14 hour days, two and a half hour commutes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're just, they get up and do it yeah. because they have to in yeah. some respect, right? Um, in their mind, in their, in their vision, in their filter. This is what I have to do to provide for my family. This is what I have to do to get to that retirement age. Yeah. This is what, and when you think about that, that's not too far off from getting mm-hmm. to this place that we got to and, and, still not right. You're getting up because you have to, not yep. because you have a purpose, not because you have a drive, not because you're like excited to, yep. man, I get to go, I get to go do this today. Not to say that that's every day for you and I, right. That'd yeah. be, that'd be silly, but genuinely most days I wake up excited mm-hmm. about the fact that I'm up today. Yeah. 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 It's such a good point. And I really wanted to drive that home and just, you know, we've both had the same experience and I, I just want to throw that out there for, you know, you guys that are listening to just think about, because a lot of times what we think we're really lo- like working toward that you know, that day of retirement, or I wish I just didn't have to go to work every day. What we're really looking for is to not have to. Right. But also not having a purpose is a really dangerous place to be. Would you agree? It's a terrible place to be. (laughs) It's, it's, it may actually be worse than getting up and just doing something, Mm -hmm. right? Going back to that. I think I have to do this. Yeah. Uh, To not have any driver purpose Mm -hmm. is a dark place. Yeah. Yeah. So just be careful out there what you're asking for. You know, I know that's a cliche (laughs) thing, but you know, you might just find it. And and I think, um, you know, the reason why I really wanted to talk through that is because, um, you know, I think there's just so many of us that every single day we're working towards something that we think we want and it may not actually be what we want. So just, I just encourage you to just process through that and think through it. So I want to turn the tables on you a little bit for the audience because I get asked a lot, um, you know, I've got a lot of friends that are business owners, they're scaling businesses. And I, I run into this mindset a lot. Like it's just, I can't find good help. I, you know, there's just nobody out there that wants to work. I have to do everything myself. If I don't show up at my business every day, nothing gets done. And I want to turn the tables on you a little bit, because again, as we said in the beginning of the episode, um, you know, you're the CEO of our company. Um, you actually work and, and run and manage our team. You implement the vision that, um, you know, essentially Andrew, my, my business partner, started the company. I came along and aligned with his vision right. as a partner. And now you've come along and aligned with our vision as CEO and potentially a partner at some stage. Um, but what I want to turn the tables on, I hear this limiting belief from business operators all the time. You just can't find good people. Yeah. And I want to ask, I really want to dig or get behind the curtain and, and really find out, number one, do you, do you believe that? Is it hard to find no. good people? <laughs> no. I, I feel like when you talk about it, it's hard to find good people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wonder if it's because we have a hard time letting go mm-hmm. of some of these, these tasks that we feel like we're the only ones who can do or nobody will do it as good as I will or mm-hmm. this and that. And we never give 
we never give the person that we're, we're asking or we're charging to do this mm -hmm. the opportunity to fully engage into it and live mm -hmm. into it, right? So yeah. um, I wonder sometimes like, oh, I've, I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried this. I've hired 15 guys to do this mm -hmm. job and none of them have been able to do it. Yeah. Sometimes I think maybe we need to take a look in the mirror yeah. in that situation. Yeah. Um, so there's talent out there for days, right? Yeah. There's people out there. Um, you know, I certainly wasn't, looking for a job when, yes, when I it. came over to this. Right. Yeah. Um, but I was looking for a purpose, something yeah. to do. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and as you know, I love, I love a good challenge and, mm -hmm. and we had some challenges to overcome. And yeah. so, and still do, still do. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Right. Um, it's a, it's an ever changing industry mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. And so when I hear that, I call BS yeah. on it right away. Well, I have so many successful people in my life that are running, you know, what I would consider to be successful businesses and, And, you know, I've even had people, we've had mutual friends ask, um, whether they're asking me or I think they've even said it to you, like, okay, Tyler, if you truly own a successful real estate company, which I can vouch for him, he does, <laughs> um, and, and it really runs itself. And if you truly have retired, which I can vouch for him, he has, um, and if you actually own a manufactured home community yourself, which he does, um, like, why the hell are you working for Mike? And I get asked that question so often And I, I would just flip that a little bit. I, I even say that, well, I don't think he's working for me. I think he's working with me. Absolutely. Um, and so the thing, I, I want to pose this thought and then let you just say whatever you want to say. Um, what, in order to attract, so we, we talk, and I agree with you on, on, on the mindset that you were talking about, about you know, finding talent and, and all that. But I also think you said something that I think was really crucial. You are not looking for a job In fact, I had to ask you multiple times over a period of time, hey, why don't you come join me? No, right. I'm, I'm good, I'm good, yeah. I'm good. It took, I don't know, probably a year of, of easily conversing. And, and so this is the point that I want to make, and then again, I'll let you kind of go with it. Um, not only are top talent probably not looking for a job, you're probably going to really have to have a great, strong vision and a compelling purpose to get somebody who's driven, passionate, who's a successful business owner currently, someone who is retired or, or someone that you've got to, I, I excuse the word, but attract, mm -hmm. I was going to say poach, but attract from, you know, a very successful current career, whatever that looks like. They don't have to be a business owner, but even if they're a top, you know, performing C-suite type person, like who do I say this all the time, but who do I have to become in order to get in these types of rooms, but take it into employees and attracting talent? Like who do I have to become What kind of vision do we have to paint in order to attract top talent? And I think it's, it's still that same thing that you were talking about. It's the limiting belief. It's the mindset that most business owners have. There's one, there's one version of it where it's like, if it's got to be done right, it's got to be done by me and I'm the bottleneck and all of that. But then there's another version where it's like, um, I don't think that sometimes the talent that we are hiring is the caliber that we should be looking for. And in order to get that caliber of talent, I think we have to become a much higher version of ourselves and we have to sell them on a larger vision than not only ourselves, but them as well. And so just talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah. So a couple of, couple of great things that I think as you were, as you were talking through that, I was thinking about, um, you, you joked about poaching, but I think at every level of your business, you have to be open mm. and aware of what's going on. You and I have been very successful over the years mm. of bringing in great people into our organizations. Mm -hmm that we happened across or that yeah. we, right? Um, if we want somebody to deliver great experience yeah. to our customers, yeah. 
we're going to be open and we're going to be aware of the people in our lives that yeah. are delivering great experiences, right? Right, right? If I go to the coffee shop and the barista blows it out of the water mm -hmm. with me, yeah. put it into the Rolodex and remember that for the next yeah. opportunity that comes along, right? That's And we're talking maybe at, at, at a couple of the lower rungs of the industry sure. at that point, right? Yeah. If we're talking about a, a CEO of a company or a CFO mm -hmm. or, or something mm -hmm. like that, okay, in the rooms that we're in, mm -hmm. right, the conversations we get into, these things, we have to be open to yeah. the idea yeah. that, hey, maybe I want to work with this person somewhere down the road or open the door to people who have those doors that are open yeah. to that, right? I mean, yeah. we've both got great experiences with recruiters. recruiters. We've also got some not so great experiences with recruiters. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with how we enter the room yeah. On, on the backside of that. Yeah. Um, so the other thing is you talked about attraction. Mm -hmm. That's, that's how I came to be a part of the park place community team. Right. Yeah. Um, you and I share a lot, right. Yeah. We're, we're great friends. We talk a lot about things. Mm -hmm. I saw the passion for you and Andrew mm -hmm. of this project that you guys have, right. Your passion, not only for um, the investors mm -hmm. and the business and the team and all that, but also for the need for affordable housing yeah. in our, in our nation, right? Yeah. This is a, this is a major problem that is just getting worse. Yep. How can we be a part of the solution, not the problem? Yeah. So aligning with you guys on that end, aligning with you guys on the big vision, mm -hmm. what we want to do, what we're going to accomplish, right? Yep. You and I had a lot of conversations around that, that didn't include me yeah. as a part of the company, right? That yep. was just part of our discussions and the, so that, that attraction end of it. Mm -hmm. But, but we aligned. Yeah. Right. So yeah. the more and more we put ourselves out there, the more and more we become aware mm -hmm. with the people we're with and the more conversations we get into yeah. in general and how we show up is going to dictate the level of talent that, yeah. that arrives at our door, good or bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. From every level, we have to be open to it across the board and everywhere we're at. Yeah. Well, and you brought up such a good point earlier like you know if you if you're looking to attract talent and you're the bottleneck and you're the problem and you know everything's negative even when you're talking about you know our relationship like I wasn't I wasn't trying to recruit you right I mean I did at a certain point but early on when we were talking it wasn't like a recruiting process right and so that's such a great point that you made because what you're projecting on an ongoing daily basis you could be repelling future employees as well. You were talking about like going in and seeing the barista or even for that matter, like if you want somebody that's going to come in and be a great CEO or COO or, you know, a CFO or any top talent at all, like you're, you're looking for somebody who's already done it, who's already been successful in it. Um, so you're potentially maybe watching them in another organization. Maybe they're running, you know, maybe they're a regional manager at a discount tire or whatever. Right. Um, but the reality is if it's simultaneously while you're watching people, people are also watching you. Absolutely. And if you're a negative Nancy and you're always bitching about business and you just can't find good help and your business sucks and you hate your clients and you're going to have a really hard time attracting top talent. Absolutely. It's, it's foolish of us to look at something like that and assume that because we're mm. right, just because we can see something and then assume that yeah. that it's not the same for us. Yeah, it's a total total foolish game to play, right? Yeah. So well, and and on that point too, like I think we have to realize that especially in this day and age, um, I don't know what's going to happen after COVID and all that, but the labor market for top talent, not not unemployed people, but right. for top talent, is getting harder and harder and harder and more challenging, and there's more competition out there, you know top talent has more opportunities than, than they've ever probably had. And so 
um, we've really got to get our house in order and, and really shore up the vision and we've got to inspire people. And also like, you know, if you're a micromanager type owner, um, you know, top talent is looking for growth. They're looking for opportunity. They're also measuring their risk because they're not going to give up everything they've built and put their name on something that potentially, you know, they're going to be fired in three months because you won't let them like do their job. right? Right. And so I think there's so many things that we have to think about as business owners. And again, I want to bring this back to the fact, you know, so many people have asked me, well, if Tyler's so successful, which again, he is, why the hell is he working for you? And I'm like, he's not, I've said this, like, he's not working for me. He's working with me right. to build out a vision. And we've literally given you control of that vision and we're here to support you. Right. And that's where things get flipped on its head because I think most of us as business owners can't get out of our own way. And we think we want to hire top talent, but when we actually find and identify them, number one, they're going to be like, I'm not coming to work for that asshole. Or number two, they might come to work for you, but you're going to quickly run them off because you're going to try to micromanage them and put them back in the box that you created. Right. Yeah. And especially like that, those first three, four months where they're integrating and all this mm-hmm. stuff, that's when we're sometimes the worst because mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to make things happen. And we're like, yeah. you know, we're always in a hurry too mm-hmm. to get out of the way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so sometimes we just dump it. But then poke our head in every, like, you know, like, hey, this is yours. Take it. It's your baby. Run. And they start getting into it and they start coming up with their great ideas and this and that. And then we poke our head in and we totally derail everything. Um, That can, right. And I've Mm -hmm. I've done that. Sure. I've done that to to my own team members. Mm And um, you learn from it, right? We've been, we've been in this, well, we've been in business for a long time, right? But we've been in this industry specifically for a little over 10 years, each -hmm. each of us probably. Um, And so... Over, over that length of time, yeah. right? These are these are the these are the times where we've tripped over our own mm-hmm. feet, and we had to. You and I are great about this, and, and we hold each other accountable to it. Pausing yeah. for a moment, reflecting, like, okay, hey, that didn't work. Why didn't it work? Yeah. Right. Um, that that comes that comes with hiring great talent mm-hmm. and, and doing things. Uh, we did that with our own retirements, yeah. right? You do that with your family life. You do that with your financials. You do mm-hmm. that with operating businesses, right? Hey this isn't doing what we thought it was supposed to do, right? We've been down this road. Yep. This isn't working. What's going on? Okay, let's pause and reflect mm-hmm. for a moment, guys. Yeah. Let's let's look at everything we've done. Yeah, and so, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and we do that, yeah. taking it back, we do that as owners and operators. Mm-hmm. We have a set way. How many yeah. times have we said this? You know, there's more than one right way to do it. Yeah. You know, um, and you and I were, we were, we were stuck on that path for, yeah. for a while, years ago when we first started working together. No, this is the way you do it. Yeah. This is it, right? Yeah. Um, well, it was one of the right ways to do it. Yeah. So, so there's two things that I want to ask you, um, you know, after just kind of having that conversation, which I think is going to be super valuable for people that are considering a business, but also those that are, you know, stuck and then really trying to scale their business to the next level. So the first question that I want to get, and then once we wrap this up, then we'll really talk about the state of, um, the manufactured housing um, space, because I think that's important. Well, and it's exciting right now. It is exciting. It's a great time to be in manufactured housing. And, and it's, a, it's a great, noble purpose. Absolutely. Um, but we'll come back to that. Right. Um, so question number one for the audience out there. Um, from the perspective of top talent, um, what does an owner, what few things, what few pieces of advice could you give to an owner in my position looking to attract top talent? I mean, you're a guy that's been successful. You're retired. You have enough passive income to literally live. You don't need to work every day. And there's days where, you know, sometimes um, 
things are happening in the business and I'm like, why the hell is Tyler doing this again? <laughs> like, um, but so for, for the audience, like give us, give us a few tidbits on as an owner, what are the things that I can do to uh, attract a guy like you or a girl like you? I'm um, not that you're a girl, but <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So I think it goes back to the early conversations, right? we you show up, you show up real as you, right? Mm. Um, we have a tendency to show up as our alter ego, mm. right? Um, I'm in, I'm business mode Tyler now, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm talking about me specifically. Yeah, I'm sure. guilty of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I show up as just that and people don't get to see the authentic Tyler, the person who's here, the person who might be really, really excited and passionate about a vision, mm. right? But that never shows up because I'm very regimented. I'm very this yeah, yeah, yeah. black and white. This is what we're doing. Here's the mm-hmm. steps we want to do instead of showing up with the excitement, like mm-hmm. I talked about with you and Andrew, right? Yeah. You guys, when you get, when, when I would see you two together talking about what you're going to do to change this industry, to change this problem, mm. show up with your vision. Yeah. Show up, that's where, that's where people get tied, right? I got tied to this because my yep. heart yeah. got pulled to it, right? Forget the brain. My heart got pulled into this mm-hmm. specific vision. Yeah. And it's not necessarily the industry, yeah. right? I'm already in the industry. Yeah. I got pulled into the vision. Yeah. So lead with your vision. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Anything else on that one? That's it. I, I think mean, that, I think that's it, right? Yeah. Lead with lead. You could call it your why, right? Simon sure. Sinek's why. Mm-hmm. Lead, but I. It's your vision. It's it's why you're doing this. It's your passion. It's your love, and let that show. Yeah. So. Well, I think a lot of people sometimes think that you know it's it's more money. I'm going to attract them by a bigger paycheck or bigger bonuses or that, none of that matters. Really, no. Right. It's, no. Yeah. It's the purpose. Yeah. I don't think I don't think I knew. I don't knew, I don't think I knew what the salary of this job was until the day I started. <laughs> I think that's that wasn't true. <laughs> right. That yeah. wasn't the reason that wasn't the reason I was coming to join yeah. the team. Right. Yeah. Um, and maybe to that point about the vision and leading with lead with your best self, mm. right? Don't let, if you're looking for top talent, there's a, probably a good reason for that. Right. Mm-hmm. You're weighed down. You've got so much on your plate. Um, maybe you've had a couple of bad experiences with recent hires, something like that. Don't let that bleed over. Be honest about it, but yeah. don't don't let that heaviness mm-hmm. bleed in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Come with the vision. Come with the purpose. Come with the desire. Yeah. The excitement of what's yeah. going on, and let that sell the sell the position for you. That's good. You know, the other thing that I want to throw out there, and if you've got anything to comment on this, I'm, I'm I'd love to hear it. But when we're talking to someone like Tyler, as as a business owner, when I'm trying to attract someone who's done the thing. Like, I got to get out of your way too. But that also means, and you said, and I've told people multiple times, like I'm the far opposite of a micromanager. Like sometimes I think my team needs a white flag on, hey, Mike, I'm about ready to give up. Like (laughs) I need your help. Um, But that's just me. I'm an extreme visionary. But also I think it's important when we're hiring top talent um, to not set like 782 goals because I didn't hire you to tell you how to do your job. No. Or also, I didn't hire you to, to, to require you to do it my way. Right. Um, the reason why I got out of your way is because you've got talents and abilities that I, I don't have to, to take us to a certain place. And I think a lot of times we recognize the fact that we're at a place that, number one, we don't want to take it to where we want it to go. But more importantly, I think that's a facade and we probably can't take it to where we want it to go. And even if... Um, it, it, at minimum, we can't take it there by ourselves. Right. And so I think what happens a lot of times is we bring somebody in and then, and we, we hire top talent, but then we try to tell them how to do their job. And so I think there's this balance between getting and staying out of your way, 
and painting the vision, which I think is what you see. That, yeah. that was what you said was so important. So it's our job to paint the vision about where we want to go and maybe create one or two or three like milestones, you know, rocks, if you will. Right. We've done a lot around EOS and, and really work together and stay engaged on that. But the how-to and the the details and the people process and all that. Let your team handle that. 100%. Yeah. Let your team handle that and get out of their way. Mm -hmm. um, but a big key to that is you can support them without doing it for them, right? Yeah. And that's a that's a very key distinction there. Mm -hmm. Your team needs your support. Yeah. You need you talk about a white flag, right? Sure. They need to know you're yeah. there if you need them, <laughs> totally. right? But what they don't need is you there in the process, in the minutiae, right? That's not where you belong yeah. anyway. Get up here. Get yeah. up where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Right? Well, I think so many of us will understand this, whether, you know, you only have nieces and nephews or you have children or whatever. I mean, it's our job to kind of guide them and set the ground rules and then let them go out and learn and make mistakes and figure things out on their own. And, um, you know, it's the same with employees. Like we can't, they're never going to learn and grow for themselves if, if we don't let them. And even, again, a top talent, CEO, C-suite, general manager, whatever. Operations top all the way guy. down. If, if we don't, hire the right people, set some parameters and get the hell out of their way, you're never going to be successful. I've heard you use the analogy a couple times about bumpers in bowling, yeah. right? Yeah. The target, here's, here's the tool, yeah. right? That's the target. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. It doesn't matter how you get there. You're yeah. going to, you're going to take whatever path is there. My job is to put up the bumpers yeah. and help keep you out right? of the gutter. Yeah. Help me, <laughs> help me keep you guided along yeah. the way. If you're getting too far off over here, Hey, let's look at that and adjust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Same yeah. thing with your, your principles for, um, freedom financials, right? Yeah. Or I apologize for, uh, uh, investing freedom. For freedom. Yeah. Investing for freedom. Thank you. I don't, mm -hmm. I'm not focused on that right now, obviously. Um, are, know, are you going through uh, financials right I'm now? I'm going through financials. <laughs> <laughs> it's tax season. Um, no, right. It's, it's setting those boundaries to allow for that course correct, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That's, that's our job is to yeah. help them with the course corrects, but let them do yeah. the rest of the work. Such a good point. So the second question that I had, um, and I'm, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong to this, but so many people will tell you don't work with friends. So what's your, uh, what's your advice on that? Cause we, I mean, we've stayed friends for a long time and we've worked together a lot of different ways. Yeah. And it's always been happy and, and good and there's never been tough times or anything. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's perfection. It's perfection. <laughs> it's easy. Uh, I think you and I are great at compartmentalizing and I think that it's easy for us to sit back and say that it's easy to work with friends. Mm. Um, but I think you need to know your personality yeah. if you're going to go in. Right. Yeah. And you need to know what's at risk, but there's probably, it's like, it's like working with your spouse, yeah. right? There's nothing more rewarding than sharing that with the people that are closest to you. Yeah. So if you can, you and I have had some discussions, yeah, right? Sure. We've, we've been in the mud in, yeah. in several different companies yeah. as we're turning things around, as we're yeah. coming out of things. Um, and we've had, we've had some disagreements in this and that, yeah. but we were really good about it. Like, okay, cool. You want to grab beer? Yeah. You know, <laughs> totally. We had to, that's, beer, beer solves everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, but that's, this yeah. is this, this is our friendship. Right. Yeah. And, and there's, there's a boundary there, right? I don't think that you and I are ever going to let anything get in between that. Does that mean that it was easy yeah. for the last 15 years? Yeah. No, there's times that tested it. Right. Sure. Yeah. But it's really rewarding yeah. to celebrate your wins. Mm -hmm with the people that are closest to you. I love it's that. It's so great. Yeah, that's such a that's a, such a great way to put it. It's so rewarding to celebrate the wins with people that are closest to you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. And I think as long as um, 
So, and this goes for anybody in business, any business relationship. I mean, you, if you can learn to separate, cause there's also, you know, this, and again, I'm not generally speaking, I think it's probably good advice to not work with family and not work with friends and not, you know, hang out with your employees, et cetera. But you know, we've sometimes I, I've got some relationships where it's okay. Like there's certain employees that I can invite to my Christmas party. I can go to dinner right. with them. And you know, it's long, I think it's, a, I think it's respecting the position and separating that from friendship. Right. I think that's what really matters. So, um, valuable conversation. I think this is going to be, I, I think people are going to um, get a lot out of this. So let's talk about the current state of manufactured housing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's exciting. It's changing. It's, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of new interest in what used to be not such a sexy investment space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a lot of people that are turning to it, looking at it saying, Hey, maybe this is something, um, worth, worth jumping into and, mm-hmm. and figuring out and, and trying on, especially as, um, you know, we all know that, com- uh, other multifamily asset spaces, mm-hmm. apartments, things like that, they're getting, the, the cap rates on those are getting pretty heavily compressed mm-hmm. and the availability of deals that pencil out are becoming fewer and fewer. Um, so I think that that's also added to some of the, the desire to mobile manufactured housing as an investment class. Um, and it's, it's firing up right now. I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing investments that, mm-hmm. um, you know, don't necessarily make sense to us. Yeah. coming into play right now. Yeah. Um, deals that are being done that just, we can't figure out how to pencil out. Yeah. Um, so it's exciting. It's yeah. changing. It's, it's a, it's a different space every day right now. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean there's not deals still penciling out and out there, right? We get sure. deals that come across every day, um, that we look at, but yeah, it's, it's, it's heating up. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's really an interesting time in the industry, as you were saying, um, you know, we, not to lead with a negative, but there's an article that I sent you the other day um, that was just talking about, um, you know, the amount of capital that's coming into the space. And we're starting to see, I, I literally have a broker friend that is getting deals that are trading at a three and four cap, yeah. meaning three to 4% returns on existing NOI. And the thing that's interesting to me is, you know, commercial debt is rarely less than 4%. And so if you're buying a deal at 3%, um, I just don't even, I think it's an inflation conversation, which I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but the reality is I think a lot of these guys are just betting on inflation and, and costs going up, but also the, the, the downside to what I see happening right now in the industry is, um, and this was a premise of part of this article. Um, you know, if somebody's buying something at a three cap and they know that they've got to at least get to a five or six cap in order to make their interest payment and to get a return of some sort, um, they've got to raise rent substantially, right? Yes. They've got to increase their NOI. And so I think what's going to happen is, you know, what we love about the manufactured housing space is there's a great opportunity for us to build long-term cash flow and passive in- investment opportunity for our investors. But I think what's going to happen is the affordability aspect of it is, is it's going to, it's going to get into a challenging place. It's going to start to get challenged. Right. Which is, which is a challenge because as we all, as we talked about earlier too, this is, in many cases, this is the last step to mm-hmm. homelessness mm-hmm. for people, right? The affordable mm-hmm. housing space. We know affordable housing is a major issue. Yep. Um, and as we see more institutional money coming into these spaces and things, and that, that article you sent, that you shared, it was, it's, not a, it's not a bad operator per mm-hmm. se, mm-hmm. but it's an operator that has a specific um, 
outcome that has to happen based on its yeah. investor base, right? Yeah. And like you said, if if you're buying at a three or four cap, but you're offering seven to eight percent returns, mm -hmm. you, you the only way you can do that is fixing NOI, right? Yeah. Um, so you can occupy spaces, yeah. but most of these people are buying stabilized communities. Mm -hmm. You can decrease costs, yeah. right? Again, though, it's already a stabilized community. There's not a whole lot of wiggle room there. That's why you're yeah. buying it at such a compressed rate. Or you can increase income by raising rents, mm -hmm. charging. I mean, um, in that particular case, right, they were um, increasing utility costs by 78% yeah. in one in one fell swoop, right? That's that's devastating mm -hmm. to a, uh, a person who's, in many cases, buying their home or bought their home, yeah. right? And they might be operating on on twenty four thousand dollars a year, raising their entire family. Right? Mm -hmm. These are these are mm -hmm. low income earning individuals. Yeah. Um, and when you come out and you change, and suddenly there's an extra one hundred and seventy five dollar expense mm -hmm. this month. That. Yeah. Um, that's. Yeah. That's world changing in that in that realm, right? Yeah. So. Well, and that's one of the things, and I'll let you you know talk to this a little bit, but that's one of the reasons why. COVID kind of accelerated this for us, but we saw the writing on the wall in 2019. It was getting harder and harder to find deals and we're seeing more, more and more money come into the space. We have, you know, apartment operators and people coming over from other asset classes that are basically like, we can't find good deals in apartments. We can't find good deals in storage. And, and so we're just going to go to the manufactured housing because we heard it's an easy space and you know, the, <laughs> the tenants own the homes and we're just going to raise the rents. And man, I'm, I'm hearing those stories left and right. And it's, it just, you know, again, in 2019, we start seeing that writing on the wall. And so, um, you know, coming into COVID, it was kind of like, okay, now what? And so we really just tightened up our team and we're selling some properties at this point in time that right. are trading at all time highs. Like it just really makes sense for us to consolidate. We're selling some communities that are on, uh, you know, outlying States where we have one property, right. maybe two properties and just kind of centralizing so we can run lean and mean and really just focus on turning around the properties that we have, right? You're right absolutely. Be the better operator that we're, that we're heading the direction to become already, right? Mm -hmm. This just makes it, makes it so that we can focus more on that. Um, so getting, getting to that, that point, like a lot of these guys coming in from the apartment space and this and that, right? We've got a, we've got a couple of great partners mm -hmm. and they're great partners because we're great operators, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We know the space inside and out. We know mm -hmm. what it takes to operate a wastewater treatment plant or yeah. like some, in some cases completely refurbish these yeah. operations, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, we know the tenant base. It's a, it's a different tenant base yep. than typical. Um, you and I joke a lot about like how many times can you um, redo a, a, a mobile home, yeah, right? Totally. Um, how many times have we in our own personal yeah. properties like, oh, that, yep. that, this one's probably been rehabbed two or three times now. Yeah. Yep. Um, or, or like you joked a little bit about um, selling, and we did this um, as as Park Place mm -hmm. when we when we first um, talking about uh, talking about the days when Andrew and, and his former partner were just starting out. Right? Mm -hmm. Oh, we're going to come in. We're going to um, buy these parks. We're going to sell off the homes. Yeah. Right? Just real quick. Yeah. We'll just sell them all off in the first year, and then we'll just <laughs> own the land. And um, the reality to that is there's. There's some finessing there. Mm -hmm. There's some needs that the, yep. the tenant base, right? There's yep. takes um, some time. It takes time, right? Yes. You have to set up programs so that they mm -hmm. can afford the down payment to buy your house, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that all takes time. That takes systems. That takes a team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so if you don't have that in place, it takes time, yeah. just like anything. It's yeah. going to take time to build that out and build it. It took us. Yeah. Um, we're going on. Um, 
was it five, six years yeah, I think of operation six, six, yeah. as, as Park Place Communities Management mm-hmm. and construction and everything. Yeah. Um, you and I each have five years before that mm-hmm. of operating yeah. uh, mobile manufactured housing. Yeah. So it all takes it all takes time, and it's a unique it's a unique um, environment. Yeah. Right. It's not necessarily unilateral with yeah. other asset classes. Yeah. So you have to kind of take that, and then one thing I don't think people anticipate when they get into this space, um, it's like island time, right? When we're here. When we're in the States, like we're always busy, right? We're multitasking, we're, mm. we're booked, like 15 minute increments always. But then you go to like say Hawaii on a family vacation and like everything just slows down, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter, you get up when you get up. It's, yep. You go get breakfast when you get breakfast. It's just, everything kind of moves a little slower. Mm-hmm. Mobile manufactured housing is kind of like that in the multi-family space. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little slower. Things take a little more time yep. to come to be, yeah. so. Um, Jumping into that, expecting the same kind of turnaround or the same kind of timelines that you would yeah. see in traditional investing, you have to understand that. Yeah. Well, and one of the things too, I you know, you see a lot of people come over from you know, like in the in the apartment space. And by the way, I love apartments. We've got mm-hmm. a, you know a lot of people that we know that invest in apartments, and I think it's a great space. But we have a lot of people that leave are leaving the apartment space because you know it's crowded, and they think they're going to you know come over and just kill it in the manufactured housing side. Um, which again, I think is a great space, but I think what people don't realize a lot is that, you know, in the apartment space, there's, there's a property management company on every corner that will manage apartment. Oh, they're jumping, they're bidding yeah. to, to, for the opportunity. Yeah. But in the manufactured housing space, as you said, just even the concept and the way that things work there and it, it isn't plug and play and there's not a lot of management companies across the country. And so we've really chosen, and this is where, you know, Tyler's value and expertise has really come in we've chosen to build out an internal team and that doesn't mean that everything's gone perfect. I mean, right, we've, no. we've had our challenges and we've had to, even the stuff that we started this conversation with about like the pros of, you know, how you hire top talent. Well, we've, we've had some black eyes along the way too, when it comes to talent and, you know, there's, there's uh, a reason we know the, we know the steps to take now, yeah, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Those are from, those are from, uh, you know, uh, failing forward as John Maxwell <laughs> would say. Right. And so, um, but I think the thing that uh, I really wanted to point out is, you know, it is a different industry. It's a great industry. We love it. But also there's a lot of work involved. And so I think if you're thinking about getting into manufactured housing, just do your homework and, you know, make sure that you're careful about the talking points that you buy into, as Tyler right. said, because, you know, we were on a golf course a couple of weeks ago and we heard somebody say, oh yeah, like I'm going to buy a, a park and I'm not going to own any homes. <laughs> and we're like, well, <laughs> that's great in theory, but like at any given time, we probably own up to 30% of our homes because you're repossessing homes, you're taking homes back, people. You're, you're moving new homes in, yeah. right? That's part yeah. of the, that's part mm-hmm. of the plan. You got to move a new home in. Yeah. You don't necessarily have, even though the home is maybe forty-five, fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars $50,000, you don't have a buyer that's immediately lined up for that. Yep. You don't have... 500 banks yeah. clamoring to get your mortgage, right? Yeah. There's specific yeah. lenders that you have yeah. to go to, um, which brings it to another point, right? Financing for these yeah. communities is, is yeah. a beast in of itself. You've got, yeah. you've got um, CMBS loans that you can mm-hmm. do, but only on the land. And then you've got chattel loans yeah. that you have to do for this. You've got, yeah, <laughs> and, um, incorporating capital expense into that mm-hmm. borrowing package. Like it, there's, yeah. there's four or five different arms yeah. just to finance a mobile home community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then when you look at, and you've kind of alluded to this too, but there's two challenges really with, with residents. I mean, number one, you're just going to go with a rental model, which there's manufactured home communities that do very well 
with a purely rental model. Right. So there's nothing wrong with that. You just got to be prepared for the outcomes of that too and, and make sure you budget that in properly. But then there's so many people and so many communities that are like, well, we're not going to own the homes. The tenant's going to own the home, which is what we love mm -hmm. because then basically you're leasing the piece of land and the home is theirs and it's the turnover's less. And yeah, I literally, maintenance costs are typically lower, things like that, yeah. right? You know, a general more... Uh, positive atmosphere inside mm -hmm. the community because people yeah. are there. They've yeah. chosen that's a permanent home for them. Yeah, and it's their home, yeah. you know. And and permanent's the key, right? Because mm -hmm. that's another misconception. Like yeah. these homes aren't designed to move. No. They get it's set. An they're RV. there. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. And and so one of the challenges is like the financing for the tenants themselves. So one part is down payments, right? Because like the financing options that we do have require X amount of dollars down, and then the other the other challenge is just keeping that affordable. A certain right. amount of amortization and all that kind of stuff, and so. There's just some challenges out there that I think people need to b be aware of, but ultimately it's a great space. So let's talk real quick about, um, you know, COVID and what that's done because our, our thesis through this whole thing with manufactured housing. And again, you know, we didn't just start this two years ago. In fact, I think I remember, I don't know what year it was, but it was probably 2013 or 2014. You sent me, you sent me a wall street journal article that was talking about how big money was coming into the space back then. Right. Right. Um, so, I mean, we've been at it for, for a while. We're not like the guys that got in in the 60s and 70s. Those guys made out like a bandit, right? <laughs> right. But um, yeah, so we've been at it for a while, but um, our thesis has always been that it's affordable housing. It's going to be recession resistant. The tenants own their home for the most part. Um, you know, even if there is like just purely from an investment standpoint, I'm not here to have moral conversations at this particular second, but, you know, even if there is some, you know, trouble in the in the financial world, um, you know, even if we have some occupancies because somebody that lives in a manufactured, maybe Jane, who's 62, lives in a manufactured home community and she can't afford her rent anymore. And she goes and lives with her son. And sure. so now we've got a vacancy. Well, someone else in a recession is going to need that yeah. affordable housing, right? And so that was our thesis all along. And then COVID hit. So how did we do? COVID actually uh, proved our model. Mm -hmm. So um, in, in all of 2020, our collections never dropped below 95% hmm. across the board. Um, our occupancy increased over the entire portfolio. Um, I, I want to say, I don't have the numbers in front of me exactly, but, um, you know, sold, sold and rented out over 150 homes throughout wow. the year. Wow. Um, our anticipation was that it was going to slow, mm -hmm. um, but that's, that's right on par with year over year. So hmm. we maintained across that. Collections were great. Um, and then defaults. Defaults, we, we stayed below 1.5% defaults across all, I mean, we operate something like we've got 3,000 spaces, 1,300 occupancies. Mm -hmm. um, so 1.5% default. And that wasn't because of the moratoriums and stuff, the fact that we couldn't get people out. Um, it was because these are the people that are out there doing the work, right? Mm -hmm. These are our essential workers. Mm -hmm. These are the people at Walmart, you know, making yeah. sure we can get the supplies we need, the toilet paper we needed throughout the year, right? Yeah. Um, these are the, the car mechanics. These are the yeah. technicians, the HVAC and electrical technicians mm -hmm. that are out there yeah. working <clears throat> to, to provide, right? And they want to take care of it. It also is part of our management structure, right? Yeah. We're a part of our communities, yeah. right? We don't manage from afar. We're in the communities. Mm -hmm. So we took a very proactive role in getting into the community and finding assistance mm. for those who needed assistance, helping out with payment plans and structures for those who needed it. Yeah. Um, it was, it's really well received when you lead with compassion mm -hmm. and you lead with a willingness to understand that they're in a tough spot yeah. and we're here to help, not to 
not to evict or make yeah. life hard because um, so between between the model itself and the industry itself and then the way we manage them mm -hmm. like it it was a it was a perfect example of why we know this this asset class is what we always say is recession resistant mm -hmm. but also necessary yeah right yeah um, I yeah. mean there's a reason we increased occupancy in the last year yeah it's because people are needing that affordable housing yeah well this has been a great conversation and um you know i just love the space and and i thought it would be valuable to you know have you come on and number one just talk to our audience who you know again a lot of them are business owners investors potential investors etc people that want to get into passive investing and so i thought number one the relationship between us and and just that dynamic and attracting talent would be valuable but then number two just really, you know, pulling back the curtain on the space and the opportunity. So we're offloading just to kind of button this up. We're currently selling, was it seven? Eight, eight, eight parks. Eight parks? Eight parks. Eight communities. Out of 35. Correct. Yeah. So we've got 35 communities in 13 states. Mm -hmm. And getting um, selling eight of those will take us out of a couple states, right? Takes us completely out of a couple of states, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's kind of by design, right? Mm -hmm. um, we've got... We bought, we picked up some parks that were kind of outliers as we picked up packages of, of communities, right? Yeah. Um, and, and by doing that, now we can focus more heavily on, yeah. on a region in, yeah. and not have to keep sending outwards to these other things. So yeah. um, it's, it's a way for us to better serve our, yeah. our tenant base and our investor base. Yeah, and that's such a good point because no matter what you know, market you're in, what space you're in, anything else, I mean, when you go through something like COVID, we're not necessarily, we're not an acquisition, I was going to say not necessarily, but we're not in acquisition mode period. Like we're, as Tyler said earlier, we're kind of sitting on the sidelines because there's a lot of people that are buying communities right now at prices that just don't make sense it to us. It just doesn't pencil out. Yeah. And you know, maybe we're going to look five years from now and say we missed the boat, but our, our current reality is with COVID, like we've really streamlined our operations. We've streamlined our teams. We're offloading some of those outliers and, and our goal right now is to just really double down on the projects that we have. And, and I want to throw that out there. And if you have anything to add on this too, we've, we've repositioned a lot of the properties that we're keeping as well. And we've moved them into a, a we're in the process of moving them into a single portfolio called the growth portfolio. Right. And we're just going to focus all of our energy on that. So we currently, we have some investment opportunity. Again, we're not acquiring new parks, but we have some investment opportunities where you can come alongside of us and invest in a package of communities that we're putting together and need to bring in new homes. We need to do some infrastructure. Right. And the, the long-term performance of that growth portfolio is looking great. Massive. Right. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the beauty of it by um, COVID allowed us some time to sit back and look at all of our, all of our properties mm -hmm. as a whole. And instead of in each individual fund, which was a lot of what we were looking at because that's how we were operating, right? We had to focus on each individual one. Um, but COVID slowing everything down and allowed us to, as a leadership team, pause, yeah. reflect. And we started moving some of the pawns across the chessboard and we're yeah. looking and we're saying, man, if we do this here and this mm -hmm. here and we bring these together, yeah. this exponentially yeah. changes the return profile. And this creates an opportunity where we can take this community and yeah. turn it around so much faster by pairing it with this opportunity. Yeah. And so it, it was great. It's really yeah. been a great experience for us, right? Yeah. To be able to reposition this and say, holy cow, look at this. I don't yeah. want to call it a golden goose, but that's kind of yeah. what it is. Look at this golden goose. Look at this opportunity, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, again, why it makes sense for us to uh, 
get rid of a couple of these other communities, mm -hmm. especially in this buying frenzy, mm -hmm. so that we can focus on these turns and bring in these new homes and make these communities yeah. what they really can be. Yeah. So. Well, I really appreciate your time. Any, any final things you want to talk about? As always, man, I just appreciate your friendship and uh, your guidance along the way. I mean, you've always been that guy that can um, call me on my BS when it's there, right? You see me, you see me um, very differently than I get to see myself sometimes because of the walls I put up. Yeah. So I appreciate your friendship, and, and that's probably another reason why I love working with you, man, is because I know, I know where we're at all the time because you're always going to be honest and real with me. Mm. Um, and that's very much appreciated. And I know probably your, your, uh, your listeners here can probably sense that too, as you bring more and more guests on and you share more and more of your story. I so really appreciate, appreciate that. that. Yeah. Well, and I, I have the ultimate respect for you too, or we wouldn't be having this conversation. And, you know, Karen and I were actually talking, uh, earlier about, you know, just, I've had this conversation twice today, but there's been, a, um, two different scenarios in the last day where, you know, people have been isolated because of COVID and different reasons. And man, we're just, when you, do, when you don't have that mirror in your life and you were just kind of alluding to that, mm -hmm. like, you know, someone that will call you out on your bullshit that'll, that's there to encourage you, but also challenge you. And that man, just so valuable. Absolutely. So, uh, and, and I think I'm glad you clarified that because it's not just calling me out on my bullshit, right? It's, it's in a loving way. It's like, Hey, look, man, you're not living up to the potential and you're, you say you want this, mm. but you're doing this. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, it's not a, it's not a negative thing. No, no right. That's yeah. a very positive thing. So, yeah. yeah. And I didn't even take it that way good. at all, but good. <laughs> yeah. no, I was just, you know, there, again, there's just a couple conversations where people, you know, they've, they've shut down social media. They've had no outside interaction. They're just this family that's in this place together. And I'm just like, man, we were not designed to do no. any of this alone, which, no. you know, you kind of pointed that out, but that's what I love about the podcast in this selfish way. I get to just have these amazing conversations every single week. And, um, you know, I mean, even if nobody ever listened, I would keep doing this right? Yeah. <laughs> because it's awesome. So, um, uh, you know, we've alluded to this. I think it was great for you to meet Tyler in a different aspect. Um, but we do have some investment opportunity and normally I don't bring this up, but if you're interested in, you know, looking at the port the growth portfolio and, and being a part of that with us, text the word MHP, the three letters MHP to 480-531-7159. And we'll get you in touch with my business partner, Andrew, and you can talk about the opportunity and see if it's a fit. Now this is only open to accredited investors. So um, if you're not accredited investor, um, you know, unfortunately we don't have anything available at this point in time that, um, are for non-accredited, but if you're an accredited investor, text the words MHP to 480-531-7159. Tyler, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good day. You too. If you've found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.